0: And our ability to create community is undisputed.
1: We are interconnected as a mosaic, regardless of our ethnicities. and Ascend is about togetherness. Welcome to API Futures, a podcast by Ascend where we empower global leaders of tomorrow.
0: Here's our guest host for this episode. Hi, I'm Pat Ratulangi, Vice President of Global Communications for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, as well as Asian Thought Leader at Nelson. I'm really excited to be here today in conversation with our special guest, Martina Cho, President of S&P Global Ratings. Welcome, Martina.
1: Great. Thanks so much, Pat. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So what
0: do you think company boards and executive leadership, um, what, is, what is that going to look like? Let's forecast ourselves, you know, um, by the end of this decade, 2030?
1: Well, I think there's good news. We launched a program back in 2017 called Change Pays, and we've done a tremendous amount of research on all aspects uh, of workforce uh, and gender parity, gender equity, et cetera, under that banner. Uh, One of the studies that the team did uh, was looking at uh, 2021 and the Russell 3000 cohort of companies. And they found that women held about 22% of C-suite and board roles at the end of 2021. Now, obviously, that's increased uh, since then. And the team projected that at the pace at which the uh, women were being added to C-suite roles and boards that we could reach gender parity for that cohort as early as 2030. The range is uh, between 2030 and 2037. And uh, that gives me a lot of optimism. It's great to have a goal and an end in sight uh, for something like this. So, you know, turning towards investments and investors,
0: right? Um, From an Asian American perspective, there's groups like Hyphen Capital, Gold Futures, Next Step are you know, beginning to put up diverse leaders in investments positions, investors positions, and that's driving business, business and economic growth, obviously. What do you see as the, as the possible outcomes of this growing diversity? Um, are we at a tipping point? And how is this going to shape the critical issues like climate change, you know, product innovation, some of the big issues that we are all facing around the world?
1: One of the things that we've been watching, you know, as much as we're focused on representation in the workplace, and a lot of our research has uh, examined that as a topic, there is a massive additional parallel activity happening in the global markets today. And that is one of the largest uh, generational wealth transfers that we would have seen in decades. And our team's estimated in 22, for example, that women had about 40% of uh, global wealth, uh, that stands to increase quite dramatically over the next decade or two, and so we also understand that women invest with more values in mind. We understand that women, just based on our observations and analysis around fiscal management, can be a little bit more prudent, save more, and so this is uh, this is good news. I, I think it can be good news for thematic investing, whether it's around sustainability, uh, whether it's around social investing, biodiversity climate awareness, uh, whether it's around supporting businesses and investments with diverse management teams, for example, I think this can be good news. And it doesn't necessarily mean that those investments are not uh, in parallel with returns. We absolutely see that uh, investing with values can generate returns also. And I would say a lot of the sustainability funds and investment themes right now are honing in on returns balanced with uh, sustainability. That's awesome. I've you know I've heard terms like principles over
0: profits, right? And it sounds like principles can go hand in hand with profits. So let's turn a little bit and to what you mentioned earlier about how you know we are definitely coming into more of a borderless world here, and a lot of the time um, there's a lot of impacts that global issues have on diverse community. What are some ways to uh, think about? You know, how do we plan for? for managing these types of issues that are crossing borders and managing them for us within um, the U.S.?
1: Well, I would look at this first from the standpoint of uh, what we see in the, in the work that we do. We're a business, obviously, our combination of businesses that examine change risks, opportunities, and we provide research, uh, opinions, data, insights, uh, so that companies can actually make decisions based off some of these great challenges. Uh, to your point, the pandemic introduced tremendous amounts of volatility and uncertainty, and uh, and that's only continued really with geopolitical risks on the rise. Uh, in 2024, Pat, uh, 50 countries will hold national elections uh, around the world. So, uh, our 2024 base case uh, from our ratings team is that geopolitical risks will persist uh, going into uh, next year, and for the companies that we serve, that means that they have to think about uh, risk management not only in terms of uh, financial risk, for example, but we've seen a very steep rise in cyber risk as a result of some of these geopolitical uh, threats. Uh, We also see the need for varying financial strategies, uh, anything from cash flow management, hedging, use of debt capital markets for various different reasons. We see a lot of diversification in supply chains, we see regional diversification. So all these things are very important, and, and we observe quite a bit of this sort of activity in the companies that we uh, we look at across S and P Global overall. Uh, and I think there's a, there's a real human element to this as well, which is how do we actually manage the well-being of our people in this time of great uncertainty? And uh, you know, companies like ourselves, we've invested a lot of money in our people-first programs. Uh, those programs are, as they sound, it, the thematically it is looking at putting. Our people at uh, the heart of what we do and ensuring that the benefits that we have are holistic, taking into consideration not just the physical health of our people, but also the mental well-being of our people and a lot of programs designed around that. And and we see a lot of our people taking advantage of those programs, uh, even more so as this geopolitical, various geopolitical crises increase. I do think there's something on the horizon here to, uh, to look forward to. So our 2024 economic forecast is based on a view that inflation has peaked uh, and that rates will begin to come down, uh, certainly in the U.S. in the back half of, of next year. Now, in a world where you know it's any number of variables to be worried about, you know, one of the things that concerns me the most and that I watch the most would be the interaction and connectedness between inflation and interest rates. And I think while we will see higher for longer, our teams do project that rate reduction starting in the back half of next year and continuing through the end of 2025 that we could see an exit at about 2.9% policy rates in 2025. So some stability coming back into the markets, uh, you know, and then underpinning that, of course, is an assumption that, uh, you know, all other things being equal in terms of the rest of the multipolar risks that we uh, uh, that we observe uh, with companies. Uh, but it's, uh, look, it's it's an interesting time to look at it. Uh, we have seen certainly that default risks are on the rise for the universe of companies that we rate, but not anything close to historical highs. And so the companies that we rate, you know, a lot of the uh, largest uh, and mid-sized companies around the world uh, are continue to be actually quite resilient even in this time of stress. That's
0: really good that you're striking again this positive note. I'm also hearing a lot about um, uncertainties when it comes to consumers, right? Um, you know, some Nielsen data out that 95% of consumers are worried that inflation is going to affect them directly, especially with ability to purchase Um for millennials in particular, 74% are the most concerned group here. You know, and this is the group that's just coming into the workforce, considering what's going to happen with buying houses, for example, trying to drive an independent lifestyle. You know, how, how would you advise uh, the consumers, right, to deal with these uncertainties? Uh,
1: well, I don't know that I have the textbook for consumers managing these kinds of uncertainties. I do think that we will see most likely uh, that in most of the major economies around the world that inflation has peaked and, and will start to come down. And, and it's been an unprecedented set of activities uh, from central banks around the world to uh, to control inflation. One thing that we are monitoring quite closely also is youth unemployment in countries around the world. Uh, that gets to a little bit, I think, the point that you made around the portion of the population that is most concerned about fiscal management, you know, budgets and things like that. And so that's something that we were watching pretty closely. But overall, unemployment rates uh, have remained reasonably
0: resilient, as you know. I want to go back a little bit to what you were talking about earlier in terms of cyber risk, right? And of course, AI is the hot topic of the moment. How will it affect labor markets? And how, also, to be positive yeah, how could it potentially stimulate
1: growth? I think there's great opportunities for... Generative AI, I would say. I mean, clearly AI has been around for decades. This new generation of AI, I think, has great opportunities. The way that I would see it play out is in enhancing productivity and allowing that enhanced productivity and available capital to be redeployed towards innovation and growth. So it's a, to me, a very simple uh, recipe around um, the extent to which and where you can enhance that productivity, and then how you can redeploy that capital uh, to uh, to growth and innovation. How you get there, I think, is going to be the the big question and the big challenge, Pat. And I've been talking with a lot of CEOs and others about this. Uh, there are some uh, necessary steps that have to be taken. So, you know, a lot of the models that are out there in the public are not fit for use for specialized business use cases, for example. Executives need to take into consideration what capabilities that generative AI offers are most relevant for their workforces and where they might find the greatest application. So, for example, video generation, audio generation may not be applicable for services businesses. For example, the other point that I would make is there is a trade-off here uh, between uh, the productivity benefit and the inevitable compute cost uh, associated. With the application of large language models, they're very expensive to train, very expensive to deploy and run. And so having clarity on exactly where that productivity cost trade-off is, is something that's going to become more clear, I think, over time. For us, we're piloting in a number of areas. It's telling us an awful lot about how we might benefit, uh, how much productivity we can gain for specific areas, specific tasks, and uh, beginning to understand just how much it will cost us to actually get that productivity. Let's
0: go to another big hot topic, which is climate change coming off the c o p you know conference that's just happened um there's been a lot of talk as well about how important it is and how critical it is that everybody, regardless of your industry of your personal interest, is going to affect every single person around the world. What are some of the opportunities that excite you right about how future markets um, deal and how we address with how we address climate change going forward?
1: Well, the physical implications of climate change are, uh, I think, everywhere to see. Uh, you can only, I think you you don't have to look too far to evaluate, for example, the sheer cost of losses from uh, severe weather and climate change impacts uh, around the world. It's, it's staggering numbers and growing. And so it's very clear that a path uh, around uh, mitigation, adaptation, and uh, reducing emissions is incredibly important Our team actually in ratings uh, published our 2024 Credit Outlook for the markets uh, recently, and they did identify some ways in which financing climate change uh, can be done uh, more effectively going forward. Uh, We could add in things like blended finance, including public and private uh, partnerships around financing new technologies uh, for energy transition. Uh, They pointed to the importance of green bonds. Uh, Our teams estimate that would tip out at about a trillion dollars of issuance this year. and could see that being used even more to fund environmentally sustainable projects going forward. Infrastructure investment has grown tremendously, and we see a lot more private capital going into that space. The Inflation Reduction Act is a great example of that uh, in the U.S., uh, where you've got government incentives uh, attracting large amounts of private capital to renewable energy projects. But we also see opportunities for innovation around this and insurance. Uh, There's such a massive concern about the ability to insure against these types of risks. And one innovation that the team sees uh, as a potential going forward is parametric insurance, where that would allow an insurance company to pay out against a specific type of physical risk or physical hazard. And so uh, there's a lot of ways in which the team is monitoring right now the ability to actually continue to finance and not just the, uh, the actual mitigation, adaptation, and reduction of emissions, but also the physical risks associated with climate change. And then, of course, there's the technology innovation. So our Commodity Insights team is monitoring all of the innovation around renewable energy. Uh, that technology, uh, whether it's wind, solar, hydrogen, uh, et cetera, is uh, advancing at a very, very rapid pace. We've also seen incredible innovation in the EV market. And that's an area that I would expect to see increased innovation going forward and in uh, the development of energy solutions, energy efficient solutions. So there's a lot of really exciting stuff happening in management of buildings and energy consumption in buildings. There's exciting innovations in uh, energy efficient appliance uh, production and manufacturing. So a lot of innovation in this area, I think that will help as well. And that makes me very excited about the trajectory out for the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah, no, thank you for those terrific ideas for how, you know, even myself as an
0: individual, I'm definitely looking at um, potentially selling off my current 100% gas consuming car. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, that's, that's that's a good transition here where, you know, what, what would you advise individuals, right? If you care about
1: the global economy, what would you keep in mind for 2024? For 2024, I think it is interest rates and inflation and geopolitical risk. Not too different to this year, I think, unfortunately, but hopefully with a, a more optimistic lens. That's definitely a, a theme that I'm hearing. You know, you remain optimistic,
0: right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, all right. So a couple of fun questions for you. Um, food. Food is always the universal, like, uh, uh thread that keeps us all going here, at least for me. So what is one dish that you would stuff your face into?
1: My dad uh, was from Hong Kong, and we ran a little Chinese takeout in Limerick in the southwest of Ireland for 27 years. And he had a famous green curry recipe that was very well known in Limerick, and uh, I could eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
0: Curry. I, I would swim in curry if I could. <laughs> Indeed. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, What is one thing that you would want to learn to do that you at this point in time have no clue about?
1: You know, it's not that I don't have a clue about, but I would really love to speak more languages. Uh, So I speak French. Uh, I loved languages when I was in school. I would love to speak Spanish, Chinese, Japanese. If I had some sort of Magic capability in my brain. Those would be the first three that I would uh, learn.
0: That's that's amazing. Um, that's something that you and I have in common. I I would I wanted to be a linguist when I was growing up too.
1: Ah, oh, no kidding.
0: Yeah. Okay, then this is going back to childhood, right? What was something that gave you comfort? And and on the opposite side of that, um, what was something that you wanted to sort of do away with?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I uh, I was uh, a little known fact about me. I was a very dedicated Irish dancer and I used to compete in Irish dancing competitions uh, every week. I probably danced four or five sessions a week and uh, i loved it and i sort of kept the whole thing you know i used to keep all my trophies and all that sort of stuff and uh, at a certain point i don't know when but some point as a grown up my mother called me and said they're all going in the bin and uh, and i said okay you can finally it's probably time to get rid of them uh, but irish dancing was a big passion of mine and, and dance overall that's continued to be a passion of mine
0: right that's that's amazing um that was something that i loved watching actually my daughter went to a catholic school and there was, a, there was always Irish dancing repetitively, too. It was a very serious. It's pretty serious. Yeah. 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 You, we, we would love to see a TikTok of you doing some Irish dance. Oh,
1: no. Yeah. I, I don't have the legs for it anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: And what about something for you personally? What is the major goal for you? For me, you know, Pat, I mean, I think a lot about uh, the new and exciting innovations in capital markets, which... You know, it's quite a, a specific space, uh, but I think about decentralized finance, I think about the application of generative AI, emerging markets, etc. And so for me, it's really about making sure that uh, our business is uh, resilient and, and uh, ready for the future. Definitely, right? The, the future generation, that's,
0: that's where it's going to be and uh, keeping them optimistic and giving them a world to grow up in to be, you know, excited to be a part of, definitely. So thank you so much, Martina, for sharing a little bit about yourself, also sharing the wealth of knowledge and information that you have from what you do at SNP, and you know helping to provide us with some positive outlook for the future, uh, but also digging deeper into some of the realities of what we are faced with. Yeah. So as we you know move into the year end here, um, as we look forward to 2024, thank you again uh, for sharing your uh, wisdom and your expertise. And I wish you and your family a wonderful year end and a fantastic 2024.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Pat. And again, thank you for the invitation. And uh, likewise, a happy and restful holiday season for you. Subscribe to API Futures on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple. Thanks for listening to API Futures presented by Ascend, where we empower global leaders of tomorrow.